0: My name is Ginger Ricks. My husband Montel and I have a blended family with three kids. After working in various industries over the last 20 years, I'm a full-time mom now. But how many of you know that whether you work in the field or not at all, you're not just a mom. We women, we wear many hats. And this isn't dress rehearsal either. It's real life. Real people, real stories here on the tripod mom well welcome everyone i am your host ginger Ricks, and welcome to the tripod mom podcast i am here tonight with my good friend and cousin family member extended family amina jenkins say hello to the people hello hello so we are here tonight Um, we've got a great episode lined up for you I have been wanting to talk with you Amina just about um, some changes that have been going on in your personal life that I think will definitely spread some joy and some encouragement to our listeners um why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from and then we'll get into why I wanted to have you on
1: well hello I'm Amina Jenkins and I am from Inglewood California over California sunny California and um we just moved out to Vegas Las Vegas Nevada about eight months ago and you said we so who is we me and my three and three, me and my three children and my new son in love to be. We moved out here about eight months ago to just start over, which is kind of like how the book even started coming
0: gotcha. into. Gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah, you mentioned the book, and that's something that we have really um, just been wanting to talk with you about. Um, I am excited to hear your testimony and know how this book came along. So I mentioned that um, Amina is a good friend of mine. Also, like family, we have um, just some mutual friends that um, bring us together and have just developed this beautiful relationship over the years of sisterhood. And just knowing some of her story, all of a sudden, here she is a few years later coming out with a book. And I hadn't talked to you, so I didn't know that you were writing and developing this um, testimony, but here we are. And the she's the author of the new ebook. It's called Five Steps on How to Survive Living with People, a Guide on Working the Plan and Transitioning to Your Own Home. Now, hello, somebody, if you have ever lived with a roommate or a friend periodically or slept on somebody's couch. Come oh. on. Okay. Yes. So we want to know the five steps on how to survive that uh situation. But why don't you um tell us your story? Like as, as far back as you want to go, how did you come about writing this awesome ebook? Well, it started off with uh a we went
1: through homelessness, me and my children in California, and it started out after a divorce. And what I learned through that was during the divorce, I was not prepared. I was an at-home mom and I was not prepared to hold my own with, you know, rent and all the bills, plus getting the kids to daycare and to school. And I had a new baby He was like one years old. So it was very complicated. And I had just lost my mom a year before that and my grandmother. So it was literally like a whirlwind of things that brought us to that point. And basically, literally being super unprepared was the thing that I noticed when I look back when I was in it, it was just like, you know, uh, okay, now I'm divorced and I don't know what I'm doing. You know, yeah. they're looking at me like okay what are we doing and I'm just I don't know as a grown-up you know like I don't know what we're doing try to figure it out and those are the times you usually call your mom and you're like hey what should I do and I didn't have that luxury so I found myself that was my first time having stepped foot on my own with kids I did it with my mom catch that and Then as an adult with my own children, I ended up having to go and live with strangers. I didn't even know the people that I ended up staying with the very first time. I knew the the girl, uh, she was a friend between me and my ex-husband. And she just wanted to help and stepped in and was like, hey, at least spend the night here. And then we'll figure out the rest of it as we go. And the lady and the man of the house They just were like, you can't go anywhere. And I ended up staying there for two years. That was my first, you know, point of how we get to this day with five steps. Somehow there's five living with people because I had no plan. I went in, I'm just going to stay here, you know, and I'm going to work, you know, I'm going to work and make enough money to get on my own. And that's what eventually ended up happening. But still not prepared, you know, and back in someone else's house.
0: Well, let's rewind a little bit because you said that ultimately your divorce is what caused you to be in that position in the first place. And as a stay at home mother, you know, you have this security blanket of my husband is the breadwinner and I'm here with the children. This is the life that we've chosen. But looking back on that, how do you think that? That kind of um, just kind of set you up for, like you said, you were not prepared now for for this situation. Um, talk about like like the divorce. Well, so the divorce was messy,
1: and it was a it was hard to stay focused to do what I needed to do because I was literally in court fighting for custody of my kids because now I'm homeless but I'm homeless because I'm divorced. Right. And it won't help. And there's all kinds of legalities in between that. And my biggest thing was, I don't want to be messy. I don't want to be, you know, like that. And I valued being an at-home mom. So let me just say that I valued being an at-home mom. We saved money on daycare and I love being with the kids and being able to be at all the teacher conferences and stuff while he worked and you know I did go to um, school for hair and I graduated I went and finished that nine months pregnant I had him two weeks after I got out of that and yeah. so with that being said I was on my way to securing you know where I could work from home and go and do hair and go back home and be you know flexible with my work schedule because as you know a beautician you get to you can stop and be like I'm not taking any more hits I have to go and yeah. whatever and then you can pick it back up. So I was on my way to working that, but then all of this happened and it was like, boom, you know, and I'm still dealing with my mother's death. And then now the mourning of a a marriage, you know, people don't understand you go through a mourning of the marriage because you're like, now I have to do all this stuff. And I'm mourning my mother, you know, and all these things are going so quickly that it just kind of was like a spiral down effect. And I'm like, I don't have the help. You know, like I said, messy Divorce, you don't want to help to make paint a picture that, you know, I am incompetent, you know, and I cannot uh, take care of these children with on my own. It would be best fit for them to be with the dad. And I have visitation just because of, you know, the situation. And I bless God for um, being able to have a judge that saw straight through, all of the stuff that was inconsistent and just he was just straight on it like yeah like whoa because it could have went a whole other way because I wasn't working
0: so initially was your ex-husband trying to get custody of the children or oh he was okay now were was he granted custody or were you guys going back and forth or like like did you have shared custody we, we went through the custody battle for a good
1: six years. Oh, wow. And he kept losing, but he kept taking me back to court. And did he we, want
0: full custody or, or what did he and he didn't want you to have any visitation or visitation was
1: so bad that the judge was like, let me ask you a question to my ex husband. Is she on? you know, drugs? Is she abusive? He said, because the paperwork I have in front of me is that of someone abusive. And we still would try to, you know, keep the, the child with the mom and maybe yeah. get some stuff. And, you know, you need to go seek counseling and go to rehab and things like that. He said, this paperwork is, it's, it's ridiculous. And gotcha. he, had an he was like, no, she's not. No, she's not. And he said, why then would you make this? literally I could only see the kids like every other weekend supervised visits like I am a a criminal yeah yeah
0: so let me chime in because I went through a similar situation with my ex-husband um TJ's dad and you know what people don't understand about the court system like you said a judge will always try to place a parent uh, the children with both parents unless there's something like you said dangerous or where the parent is like a criminal or there's abuse or drugs or something so that um yeah that's interesting that you know just to hear you say that that that's how that kind of went down because okay. I I know you personally and, and it's very hard to not get custody of your kids. Like you literally have to show up as a crackhead. <laughs> right. So, but
1: <laughs> it, you're you're so for me, I was so afraid. I was like, Yes. You know, his mom is a paralegal and you know, she did some of his paperwork, which I found later is really you can't do that. It's conflict of interest. Ah. And, and so I was like, oh, they're going to murder me in here.
0: Like literally. Yeah. And it's really scary because the, the yeah. fact is, nobody wants to lose their kids if you want them, right? Right. So, while you're going through this and the judge is giving you these supervised visits, now you, did you initially agree to let him keep the children because of you not having a home? Is that how or or the judge sided with him in that no, regard? The judge never sided with him. Okay. I won everything. Okay.
1: Get in there and I'm going to give a little shout out to Ginger because you (laughs) remember this and I don't think you even know. I spoke to you before I went literally into the courtroom and you make it about the children. I don't care what he says. Keep it to the children. I've learned this on my own. Keep it to the children. He's going to throw some stuff at you, stay focused and keep it to the children. I went in there and all I did, the whole court hearing was cry. The, the judge was like, sweetheart, do you want to talk? I said, no. I said, let him have, you know, because he had put me on uh, paperwork. He wanted the refrigerator and all kind of stuff. Wow. And his son had given us the refrigerator right, right before he decided he wanted a court. Talk about Mr. Petty.
0: Oh, yeah. And the judge
1: looked at that. He was like, wait a minute. Yeah. This is he a says, custody hearing. This is <laughs> said, what, are, what are the kids going to eat from? He said, Well, I figured I was getting custody. And so, you know, I would have the refrigerator so that they could eat. And the judge was like, Yeah, no. And she has another kid. What do you say about that other kid? Have you not been raising that kid as your own? He said, Well, that kid is not my blood. And he said, So as soon as this started, you just
0: wash your hands.
1: Oh, he, he brought it in because he saw, and one thing I noticed is he saw spiritually, like he was so in it that I watched God just do it. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. It went so in my favor. And I stayed with the kids. He, he was like, well, she didn't let me and she didn't let me. And on this day, I didn't and I didn't and I didn't. And he was like, okay, but what about the children? Yeah,
0: I think that people. People fail to realize when you go to court and you start being petty like that, the judges do read right through it. So you have to do what's in the best interest of the kids, whether you're going to court or not. Right. And when you when you start nitpicking at I want the refrigerator and my son doesn't wear the same underwear back home or those little things. You know, judges don't want to be concerned with that. They are worried about the well-being of the children, and they want to see which parent is is able to provide the best stability and emotional support during the separation. And a lot of parents miss that, and they just go at, oh, I just want the kids, and they use it as a means to try to hurt the other parent, and it ends up backfiring. It backfires. yeah so you get custody but now you're sleeping on people's couches so how how was that <laughs> it's like I got custody but then I ended
1: up being in someone's living room um thankfully my kids were able to be in the room with the, their kids they had four of kids that were around the same age so I enrolled them in school with them and gave them some kind of security, you know, yeah, so that they could have kids that they walked to school with and a community, you know, and it really, really did work when it came to that part of it. And um, at
0: the time, how old were the kids? Do you, do you remember about how old they were?
1: Oh, well, yeah. Um, they were, I think my youngest was two and my oldest son was about four or five. And then my daughter was
0: like maybe eight or nine. Okay, so they're still relatively young and going through school with the exception of the little, little one. Because like you said, you had just had him. Then you're going through divorce. Okay, gotcha.
1: So the lady, the the initial uh, point of entry, the uh, young lady that had offered me to come stay, she was living with her husband and her husband uh, was living in his mom and dad's home. And so they had a large condo where they allowed us to stay there for a couple of years. And even though we had some things that went through, that wasn't the worst place we stayed. I was able to secure a job at the airport by the man of the house. He got me an interview at the airport. And when I went in and talked to the guy that was the owner at uh, LAX airport, he, he cried because he asked me, well, why should I hire you? I said, because I'm going through a nasty divorce and I have three children. I just lost my mother and I'm a hard worker and excellent workman skills. I, if you go and look at my other jobs previously, you'll see that I, I I am a great worker and you know I just need a chance to prove that. And I, that was it, honey. And they asked me, what did I say in there? Because he was balling and he's not even American He was from somewhere else. And he was such a, such a stern man, but you know, something about that story and, and someone that's really desperate because I was, and I ended up working almost immediately. Like they took me to a whirlwind of all the background checks, like get her in here now. And I was like, bless God, because that was such a great job and good money. And it helped me get my confidence back. Okay. After that divorce, it was a rip down. And living with people
0: and not having your
1: own. uh,
0: It's like you start all over again. Say it again. It's like you start all over again. Your security Uh blanket is like ripped from underneath you. And, and, you know, your husband probably, you feel like you're just thrown out there by yourself. Like, oh, you love me. But look, look, you just... Don't throw me out like that with the trash and the kids like and oh
1: I'll pass it in like that you know I don't, and I see some people and that may not
0: how it it goes but that's how you feel right
1: you're like wait
0: wait wait you're grabbing
1: you know and and not only for you're already you were already a team and now you're like a one and it's like it feels like everything is your fault with the kids you know like your It's like but I didn't do this by myself I didn't do this by myself that was my biggest thing like oh my god I feel like I'm attacked I didn't do this
0: alone hello right right everybody has their part to play yeah and
1: I took my responsibility for anything that was wrong in the marriage but I was like yeah I would have never if I wanted to leave you I would have never left you stranded and this kind of feels like stranded gotcha Well, let's
0: take a quick break you touched on something that I want to ask you about you said that when you lived with these people for a couple of years that there were some things that happened. But that wasn't the worst thing that happened like that wasn't the worst place you ever lived so let's take a quick break and then we'll talk about that when we return okay okay. welcome back we are here again with guest amina jenkins author of the book five steps on how to survive living with people (laughs) so um, when we get back into it now you had mentioned before the break um that there were some things that i mean anybody who's lived with people knows you know, there are some good situations and there, there are some challenges. Um, so talk about the worst thing that happened or <laughs> one of the worst things. <laughs> so just to give you guys,
1: a, you know, entrance to the book, we were homeless a span of seven years with two apartments in between the seven, but they didn't last very long. And so, cause I lost my job at the airport. Okay. So, uh, the first apartment I left and then I went to stay with my brother's girlfriend and that worked because she's a worker. Like, she's like, okay, she gave me an exit date. She had a plan for me, even though I didn't have a plan. Like, I was like, I have a job, I'll pay my rent and I'll be out as soon as I can, whatever. So she was like, don't the last month or two, she's like, don't pay your rent. Keep all of that. Put it with what you've been saving. Go get you an apartment. And That's a blessing. Because she and like the food split because there were her sister and her cousin and me. So all four of us split the rent and we did what we needed to do. And it just worked good. And I ended up getting that apartment without being there long.
0: Okay. So
1: that was one thing that I learned that it has to have a it has to make sense to have to have a plan the worst place that I stayed was the place that I thought I would have the best stability it was my mom's best friend Mm. oh my sorry auntie (laughs) my mom's best friend and I loved her but dang it was like Night and day. We first got there; everything seemed okay, but it quickly changed. And we—that was the first, uh, the worst place and the shortest time that we stayed. I think we stayed two, three weeks. Oh wow! And, and it was cracking. Um.
0: Was it t- the children? What? What was it?
1: Her. My. <laughs> I always tell people, and this is my disclaimer. When I go places, even if I'm raggedy, Jesus go before me. And if it's something that needs to be exposed or shaken up, it gets cracking. And I've noticed it to be a thing to where I was in my feeling, And the Lord was like, no, you, are, you feeling like it's a hit against you, but it's a hit against me. I had somebody put me out because she said, your spirit, I can't do your spirit. I, I'm, I feel convicted. I can't do what I want to do. She was just mad. And I was, I haven't said nothing about nothing that you do. I don't understand why you're so upset.
0: Like, I the Holy Spirit, they you
1: said she felt convicted. She felt convicted. I can't do nothing and I'm bored and I can't like do my natural stuff. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but I never put a restriction on you. But that's when I started to see that there was something to that like, oh, it isn't just me. Because I was really feeling some way, like, what is it about me that make people want to put me out? <laughs> That's what they started saying, your spirit. And I could come in and not say nothing about this stuff. I go to work all day. The children are at school. I tell people all the time, I keep it in the spirit all the time, I said. And I noticed it. I was like, to where my kids can pinpoint when the change is coming. It's like a, it's almost like a game. And I felt bad about it. But when we got to stability, my kids said, mom, it sharpened us. Like, it did. Like, I know it seems bad. But now that they go to other people's homes, they already know. You know, they're prepared. And they, even in regular life, like, the living here to there made me feel really inadequate as a parent. And, like, I'm destroying your life. You know, this is un." you know, unfair to you, and just, you know, I wish I could give you a better place, and all the way to saying, maybe you should go live with your dad, and my sons were like, we will be in a cardboard box with you, without going over there, Mm -hmm. and I'd be like, you know, because you just feel bad having to see them every day go through stuff, and they'd rather not leave, they stuck
0: with me, so, yeah, But there's something to be said about the peace that you carry as a parent. You can expose your kids to the turmoil and the craziness that's going on. But when you handle the situation calmly and with a take charge attitude, and like I said, you just have this peace about you, they definitely will gravitate to the the person or, or the environment in that way. And so I feel like almost when you say that you were going and staying with different people and it just wasn't lasting, there's something about the atmosphere, right? Of a home that yeah. you can pick up on almost immediately. It's
1: almost immediately, Ginger. Yeah. It's like you walk in and you like, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so sometimes it doesn't even have to be you know, crazy stuff going on, but just in your spirit, it doesn't sit well with you or it's not a good match. Sure. So how many times did you, do you think you, or how many people do you think you lived with in the matter of that seven years? How many homes did you stay in? I did
1: the math. And when I was doing another interview, I did the same thing. I was like, um, yeah. And I just thought about all the places, even the little, the short places. When it was 19, 19 wow seven years.
0: Wow. So how did you navigate moving the children around with you during that time? Cause they were with you the whole time. Mm-hmm. I made sure that I always had a vehicle. Okay. And that way I could always get
1: them back to school. So when they went back to Los Alamitos school district, I would drive from wherever we were at,
0: which that I remember that that was sometimes you were on a mission, a mission. And it was not easy,
1: but it helped them to still have the stability of community of school. All the teachers, all the counselors, all the people in the neighborhood, the friends that I made that would get them if I was still on the, you know, the 91 freeway trying to get, you know, to them in traffic and they're out of school. Like there was a lot of um, help at one season of all of this, where I could call, you know, my friend and be like, hey, can you go pick them up, or their dad is, you know, not answering, can you go get them, and he worked up the street from the school,
0: oh, oh, okay,
1: so- I just want to make this so hard for me, I was such a baby. I cried in the, in the bathroom, straight myself up, and I came out, but let me tell y'all moms out there, don't do that. When you have to cry, cry in front of your kids. My kids were so hardcore that when they did break, it was like World War Three, and I was just like, "What is going on?" You know. But they were like so built to always just take it, and do what you got to do. But that can backfire. and they never saw me cry. So it was like all this built up stuff. So when they did have these breakdowns, sometimes they came out of nowhere, and I'm like where is this coming from what's the matter you know and it would be that they had been holding it in because they want to be strong like I'm strong well I don't cry so they don't cry and I'm like oh no so I had to start being like oh I cry I just don't cry in front of you I go in the bathroom I scream into a pillow and I come out and cook dinner I am not strong you know what I mean and so not to be just weeping all day you can't do take care of your business but definitely show them that you you have the same feelings and emotions, and you are not always put together. That way, they know that if they don't feel put together, it's okay to have a day that is crappy, and then tomorrow I'll just get back on the horse and and go and you know conquer and destroy or whatever. But today, today was a day where we just we didn't feel it, and this was a, not the greatest day, you know. And I didn't do that because I was battling with you know having to keep it together, and that was like that trauma that place of trauma just getting over it just keep going you know my mom died then divorce so it was mom grandma new baby divorce then my dad died two months after my dad died when we were doing his memorial my stepmother died it was just like everybody that would babysit it's just going to heaven like yeah ding,
0: ding. well that's what I was gonna ask you too is how important was it to have the community you know, you talked about keeping the kids in school. So very important, but you didn't have your rocks, like the people that you would go to, you know, like you said, your babysitters. So who was watching the kids?
1: So they were going to the rec center after school. Uh, I'd have somebody go get them and take them to the rec center and Gabriel, my youngest, was in um, daycare, or, uh, yeah, like, daycare, so he was set, and I could get to him, and it was the point where I had to put him close to me at a daycare, so I could get him first, get in that carpool lane, and get to them, but when he started school, it's changed the dynamic, and he was so young, he got out early, you already know, you know, that baby, he changed the game, because it's like, now, I got to rush and get to you because you come out first. Yeah. You know, and to be honest, I do not remember some of the stuff I did to ping pong, you know, ping pong them and, and get them in the same spot. And when I moved into the um, first apartment, I, I had a community in the apartment of all the kids that went to the school because we were in Hawaiian gardens and we went to like maybe 20 minutes to Los out and they were doing their kids like that. So literally, I had three moms in the building that I could count on. So they would drop the kids off at home. And this was when they got, the like uh, Gabe started being in school. So when he went to school, then they dropped him off at the house and she would cook for them. And she lived right underneath us and send food up. Yeah. And wanted to come down, they could, because it was a gated community. And so I had, that moment of somebody can help in the in-between time you know yeah. And mom was at home mom so she really helped a lot you know she's like I'll go pick them up don't worry about it and so we just made it a thing so that I wouldn't have that stress of being on the freeway like oh my god oh it's horrible you already know LA traffic is ridiculous so
0: I'm now like, let me ask you too because These people are helping you with your kids, right? But at the same token, would you say that there's like some kind of exchange that you are also like reciprocating and like, hey, how can I help you? Like, let's get into your title of the book is five steps on how to survive living with people. So can you throw us a bone without, you know, sharing too much, but how do you you know, give back to the people that are helping you and going out on a limb for you to where it's not like, well, dang, she only needs me when she needs something or, you know, something crazy like that.
1: So I would say when I wasn't living with people, but they were hoping, making a whole meal, getting their kids when they need to go out and have some fun, having them bring the kids up. Every birthday party, they were included. When they had birthdays, I made sure that I made my way to their parties and things like that. If they needed anything and I was available, I did it. No questions asked. When it came to living with people, I always carried my weight. I carried too much weight. My point of part of the rent, my food, all my food, to be honest, because I don't do the, the names on the food. It drives me nuts and it's too much to keep up with. So I just buy food and like, if it gets gone, let's be fair and replenish it. That is, you know, what everybody would do. Um, make, I'm a cleaner. I'm a neat freak. I don't have my stuff all over the place. So learning how to do Tupperware, you know, uh, the containers with the lids and all that stuff and uh, having certain things like uh, luggage or whatever and putting all your things in that, just having it where it's conducive for you and for the person that you stay with. So that the biggest thing is you're invading their space. Even when they're the sweetest person, you're invading their space. So my thing was, and my takeaway, even though I've had some of the worst experiences living with people, I still left my mark in how God would have me be in someone else's home. I never had it dirty. We never laid up all day in the living room. Like when the crack of dawn came, I was the mom up before everybody getting stuff and making sure my kids didn't leave stuff in the bathroom. Like it was a, a time of not having peace, but ha- making peace. You know what I mean? Because okay. I up and do things to make sure when they rose up, they're not like, well, they left a the mess in the kitchen and they, you know, to keep the confusion down, I got ahead of it. But we lived in so much tension because i was like don't do that so nobody would feel like we are a, you know a burden and then be like you gotta go because i have been put out so many times so it was like okay let's do all these things to make people you know be comfortable and do you know in doing all those things at some point i still had drama Oh, of course. And it was no drama to have. They, they look. My kids said they're looking for stuff, mom. They're looking. I'm like, I know, but you still have to be a certain place because we taking care of somebody's stuff, and that is God's child. And so we be about His business. we're gonna be about ours. And He always had us when it was time for us to leave, or they did some shady stuff. I've had people take my rent and then put us out. Yeah, they was gonna put us out, take the rent. Say, you know what? This is not working. (laughs)
0: yeah
1: to a hotel what am I going to do but God always came in and made sure oh you don't worry about it I knew this was gonna happen and he made sure that we had somebody would call or I had someone that would be like oh don't worry about it I'll you know put the bill bill for the month like big time stuff where I knew that God was still with me and that I wasn't a screw-up because it felt like being a screw-up you know it just felt like this what is it And so working the plan is where the book came in. I have to have a plan and something that is legal where even if it's a message, we can go to court and be like, "Um, no, because on this day, she said that because now they will take a text message, baby. Print it out. Let me see that. Do you have the uh, documentation of the text? Bailey? can you bring that to me? Oh yes, they will bring a text into the court. And so having something that backs you up is, um, is like the best thing you could do. Coming in, what do you want me to pay? And after you tell me that you're going to have me do that, we're not changing that to accommodate you. I've had people go on shopping sprees and then put me up to paying the bills. Yeah. I don't know where else to go. So they baby got all their birthday stuff and I'm barely able to get my kids, but I'm paying all this rent. Really? <laughs> like... How's that work? But it's when you're in this position, this is how they play ball. So you have to come in with some steps on how you play ball and command, you know, that situation to be different. Like when you come in and you're legal, people don't like to play with that. They're like, "Uh uh-uh, because now they know that we can go to court. I just need you to know that here's the paperwork and here's this. You are agreeing to what? All right. And you're agreeing to who? All right. Because it backs you and then people are less likely to pull that mess when they know that they can be found in court. And then they'll have to pay more than what they would have had to do if they would have just been fair with you and, you know, kept to their agreement that was verbal. You know, that verbal stuff goes out the window when you don't have nothing backing it. To back it. Yes,
0: yes. Well, I'm excited for the book. I think that um, this is gonna be just great information. I think your story is something that a lot of people don't realize. Like you said, if you are unprepared, you can literally have any type of experience just knock you off your rocker and be in your situation that you were in homeless and needing help and not have any kind of plan. Um, you know that my husband and I run a ministry called Legacy Shelters. We help people who are um, at risk of becoming homeless or are homeless. We help them try to transition into housing. And one thing that we see a lot of times are the people that are, aside from the ones that have severe like mental disabilities and things like that, a lot of the people that are um, newly entering homelessness, it's because they didn't have a plan. Or because um, a lot of them are fleeing uh, marriage, domestic violence. Okay. So, what would you say to the person that just got their stimulus check, third stimulus check, and is going to, you know, buy a new car or go and, you know, get just something crazy? Like, what do you say to somebody that's not thinking about one, we're in a pandemic? Two, the economy is very volatile right now. Um, And then maybe they have kids. What would you say to that person? Don't spend it on
1: the frivolous thing.
0: Make sure that at all
1: times you are two months ahead in your rent. So if you are two months ahead in your rent say for instance, I have paid March and April then when April comes, I'm paying uh, May and then, you know, June, and I'm always ahead two months and I'm still paying my rent regularly. That way, I if I get to a point where, you know, unfortunately, some people have been furloughed and laid off, then while the unemployment's kicking in and I'm looking for a new job, I'm two months ahead, almost three. Yeah because you can do a lot within two to three months of time while your, your bills are paid ahead. Always make
0: sure that your stuff is ahead, always. Gotcha. And now um, you are a first-time home buyer? I'm renting,
1: but I'm renting uh, in a place where they are taking all of the rental history and putting it into my credit. And the people that have me here are going to help me move into my own place So it was a perfect, um, realty company to come into because they have all these other options to buy and they have, they teach you on how to get to that point. So while I'm renting, it's building my credit through CoreLogic, which is cool. And in the midst of that, they teach you how to save loans, rent, all the things that go into buying a home. So I'm like, I'm one step closer to having my own home. I'm excited about that. But this is our own home. You know, I know a lot of people are like, well, you're not buying. Well, when you come from where we come from, this is our own home. And it's a community of people that are here to help the people that are struggling. I wonder why all the houses that we went through before fell through. I was like, what is going on? Because God had a plan. And he put me exactly where he needed me to be so that he could build that plan. So,
0: And there are programs out there for people to, uh, like you said, build their credit and um, get the stability that they need to become a homeowner down the line. So it takes you know, one foot in front of the other, step by step, you know, if you have evictions, taking care of those, if you have um, collections, then working on your credit and all of those things where sometimes people um, kind of trip themselves up because they don't want to deal with that or they just kind of sweep it under the rug. But then yeah, but then down the line, when you when you even have the money to be secure, you know people still don't want to mess with you because they're looking at your history
1: that, man, like, and that's the stuff that we aren't, we were not taught, you know, that's, that wasn't our story. So this is a whole different light for us, for me and my kids, you know, um, they are learning as well. My daughter is engaged, you know, they're going to be doing that their own thing. And I wanted to build a legacy. I didn't want to, uh, you know, not taking care of your credit, not like my credit is zero. But it's good because I got all the stuff off. Now I got to build it up.
0: Yeah.
1: And where I'm at, I feel like an 18-year-old. I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do now? You know, but it it helps you to uh, have that mindset because I wouldn't have been okay just coming into buying a home and then being struck with everything. I like the process that God has me on.
0: Because
1: it's right. It's like, okay, like I said, we are, you know, doing the two months ahead ourselves working the plan so that when people get the book they're not like well how what did you do you know what I mean because you didn't work it or did you work it did it work for you it's like absolutely when I started writing five steps on how to survive living with people I was homeless
0: I finished the book in my own gotcha so there you're taking them through that step-by-step process of how you did it awesome Okay, well, tell people where they can find the book, and I will go ahead and leave notes. I'll put some links down um, on the episode where they can find it, but go ahead and share where people can find the book and how they can get a hold of it.
1: You can DM me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is author Amina Jenkins. That's author, actually, it's author AJ Jenkins, and that's go AJJAY Jenkins. And then Facebook is author Amina Jenkins. You can inbox me and I will take you through the steps on how to secure secure your copy of the PDF of five steps on how to survive living with people. All right.
0: Well, we're looking forward to it. Again, I will drop that information in the notes section here. Amina, I would love to have you back and talk about... um, you know, your home buying process, because we know where this story is going, because you have set such a foundation. And I love that you did it with the children involved. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for visiting on tonight. And we wish you the best of luck with the book. If you obviously you're listening to this episode, you you may not have known who author Amina Jenkins is go and get the ebook. How much is it? The ebook, listen, you guys, because it's a transitional
1: place that the people are in, whether it's you or your loved one or a family friend or just a stranger, it is 99 cents people, okay? It's 99 cents and you secure that and it is a guide on that something that will change your life and the way that you think and approach stuff. And if you're not the person that's, you know, homeless or in transition, you may know someone. And so it doesn't take but a dollar for you to get that and send it to them like, hey, I want to help in any way that I can. So thank you uh, for, you know, your purchase, your future purchases. And I appreciate you, Ginger. I'm so proud of you and all these things that are coming up for you. I'm sitting like a little fan. Oh, my God. I'm such a geek when it comes. You to-
0: I'm <laughs> a fan of you, too, girl. That's OK. We're going to be interviewing each other in the years to come oh. down the line. I love that. Giving God the glory for it. Come on. Come on. Because
1: where we came from and where we are is two different places. And I love God so much because I see him in a whole different light when being on this side. And I stayed there. That's another thing. I never got angry at him. I got angry at the devil. That's why I was like, you make me so upset. Like, you know, and I just took my energy and my frustrations and went into the word more, went into God more. And that's how I literally kept my sanity during the transitional part. So y'all listen to that.
0: Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to getting the ebook and sharing. Maybe I'll do a review with you afterwards on the book. And I can ask you some more details about uh, maybe you get into that worst (laughs) event that happened. (laughs) And I can ask you about that. So stay yep. tuned guys. We'll have a meet on at another day. Go ahead and follow her on Instagram and Facebook and we'll see you guys another time. Thanks for talking tonight. Bye-bye. Okay. I'll cut it right there. All right. I love it girl. <laughs> well, I'm going to get my book. I'm going to support. And then, um, If you have, like, any social media or something, um, send it to me. If you want to send it Facebook Messenger, um, that's probably fine or whatever. Um, I'll try to get this episode out as soon as I can. I never have, like, a, oh, I'm going to get it out, like, every Monday or whatever. I don't put that restraint on myself because, you know, these two little babies. That's Hello. That's still the, 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 um.
1: The bo- the what do you call, the host of Boss Talk? Uh-huh. Her baby was running around. She was like, "Oh, <laughs>
0: give
1: me two minutes." Yeah. Y'all, <laughs> you saw was Beads. Beads. <laughs> so she finally got her secure. She was like, "Okay, and we're back." I said, "Listen, y'all are rock stars with these little ones. Hear me."
0: Girl, I'm trying. It's hard. It's hard.